Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 2nd of July. Tensions between the states and federal government are expected to come to a head today over the ongoing COVID crisis as National Cabinet meets. The PM will come out of isolation today for the top-level talks with a reduction on returning international travellers and Australia's bungled vaccine rollout set to be debated. The war of words over who is eligible for the AstraZeneca vaccine continues, with Queensland leaders not backing down on voicing their concerns about younger Australians receiving the jab. Finance Minister Simon Birmingham says it's not helpful for community confidence. The type of scaremongering we've seen coming from the Queensland Premier and the Queensland Chief Medical Officer don't help confidence, they do help anti-vaxxers. It comes as former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull has slammed the Morrison government, labelling its COVID vaccine rollout a complete failure. The federal government says just over 7% of Australians over the age of 18 are fully vaccinated. Mr Turnbull telling the ABC he can't think of a bigger failure of public administration. Really, it's inexcusable. You know, the other developed countries are so far ahead of us, the The reason we're so far behind is because the government last year didn't buy enough vaccines. They didn't buy enough. They didn't buy nearly enough Pfizer and they didn't buy any Moderna. Um, It's look, it's a it's a comprehensive failure of administration, I'm afraid. Meantime, 12 million Australians remain in lockdown with fears some states could extend COVID restrictions. 24 new cases were recorded in New South Wales yesterday, with a number in the community while still infectious. The list of exposure sites across Sydney continues to grow, including two major hospitals and an aged care home. Meantime, two new cases were recorded in Queensland yesterday and we'll hear from our reporter on the ground shortly if the state's three-day lockdown will end tonight as planned. And in other news this morning, we have breaking developments out of the US with lawyers for the Trump organisation and its finance chief pleading not guilty to fraud and tax crimes. It's part of an ongoing investigation into the former US president's business dealings and allegations of a 15-year tax scheme. Mr Trump is not expected to be charged, but has denied any wrongdoing, calling the investigation a witch hunt. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. And we return to Queensland and part of the state remains in lockdown limbo with health authorities refusing to confirm whether stay-at-home orders will be lifted as planned today. Our reporter David Shiraz has the latest from Brisbane. Good morning, Tash. Contact tracers have been working around the clock to battle these outbreaks. An unvaccinated hospital receptionist, NT goldmine workers, a Portuguese restaurant and a Virgin Airways flight crew member, as well as a woman who worked at the check-in desk of Qatar Airways here in Brisbane's International Airport. Now, thousands of close contacts have been identified, told to isolate and get tested. So far, there's been low COVID numbers across the state, but 4 million Queenslanders will be eagerly watching to see what happens next. And to Victoria, and as we reported earlier, there are growing calls for international arrivals to be reduced amid the latest COVID outbreaks across the country. Premier Daniel Andrews is leading the charge, and our reporter Hannah Sly has the details from Melbourne. 
Yeah, so Dan Andrews is very keen to limit the number of overseas arrivals coming here, particularly since our hotel quarantine system struggled to contain the virus and we don't have that purpose-built facility at Micklem just yet. Dan says he'll be pushing for traveller limits to drop at today's National Cabinet meeting so we can play vaccination catch-up. He admits it's not ideal, but it's a better option than condemning entire cities and states to lockdowns. We have it within our power to dramatically reduce the number of people who are coming back just for these next three or four months until we get critical mass of people with a jab, protection for the community, including the vulnerable, and then we have more tools, we have more options. Now for the latest in business and finance news. We're joined this morning by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at Canstar. Effie, good morning. We know the housing market is red hot across many parts of the country at the moment with prices increasing, but interest rates are on the increase and we've had lockdowns and shutdowns across the country. So what's the future looking like on the property front? Yeah, look, it's really interesting what's happening with this property market. So we just got the latest CoreLogic data come out and it did actually show that national home values rose again, 1.9% in June. Not as big as last month, um, but it's taken the annual growth charge to 15.6 over the year for houses. I mean, to put this in perspective, Sydney alone jumped 3% last month, taking the median value to more than $1.2 million. So in dollar terms, it actually increased $38,000 across the 30 days of June. Now, that's a still a very strong property market. But it's interesting to, to see what's happening here. We saw NAB this week increase its interest rates, its fixed rates, two, three, four, which does suggest that they're expecting, of course, rates to rise. We've talked about this. CBA actually came out and said they're expecting official interest rates to rise in the start of November next year. So we're starting to get this feel like, hold it, we've got these big mortgages, rates are going up, tread carefully. But also then AMP come, comes out and says, okay, the market is running hot, but they're expecting a cyclical downturn in property prices uh, from 2023. And there's a lot of things that are, are pushing that. They're actually forecasting a 5% fall in house prices for that year. So look, for, for uh, I guess consumers wanted to jump in because it's the new year and we've got all these stimulus still out there. There's first home loan deposit schemes, 30,000 spots take care, make sure you can afford it because if rates and when they do go up, you'll be looking at quite a couple of hundred dollars extra on the average mortgage uh, to, to meet those repayments. And talking about financial help, there's cashback home loans. You can get paid up to $4,000 to refinance your home loan. There must be a catch. <laughs> oh, it's free money, Tash. Always free money. <laughs> It's interesting. Normally, I would say tread extreme caution here. So the idea here is that when you get a home loan, they entice you to come over to get your their product, sorry, and they give you a sweetener up to $4,000 to move over. Typically, you pay for it in a higher price, but because the market's so competitive now, some of these home loans are actually at rock bottom rates. It's mostly their fixed rates that you get a great deal. So I'll give you an example. Rams is offering up to $4,000 to, to refinance with them. ING just came out this month with, with up to 3000 You need a half a million dollar mortgage if you're refinancing to them. Their rates are pretty good if you're willing to lock in at 2.5%. 
two years, you know, they've still got a one in front of them, 1.99, 1.88 and so on. But here's the, 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 the catch, so to speak. You'll refinance, you get that money, which is great. If you throw it back in the mortgage, even better. But that is a fixed rate that I told you just then. So that fixed rate will expire. You then sit with their probably variable rate and they're not the cheapest in the market. You know, who knows what's going to happen in two years as well. So you may find you've got to refinance again. It's always, you know, take care, do your sums and see if you're not paying for this cash back in the form of a higher interest rate. Nothing is ever for free, Effie. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Tash. <laughs> Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, we love a good Friday story and a great night overnight at Wimbledon for the Aussies with five through to the third round. Yes, good morning, Tash. Yeah, unbelievable. Now, obviously, we expected uh, the likes of Ash Barty to win through. She did in straight sets against Anna Blinkova. So the world number one untroubled as she uh, progresses further at the All England Club. Nick Kyrgios was phenomenal. Now, the biggest surprise about his straight sets win over Gianluca Mega of Italy was that there was no scandal, no fireworks, no blow-ups, just a bit of a grumble that the courts were a bit slow at one point, remarking that it was like playing on the clay at Roland Garros, but his serve was on song and he is through to the third round with ease. And there it is, Nick Kyrgios with a clinical demonstration of incredibly efficient serving. 29 aces for the match. Joining them in the third round, Jordan Thompson, James Duckworth and Isla Tomjanovic, all their best uh, appearances ever at Wimbledon through to the third round. So a great night, as we said. Yeah, Nick is back. He's certainly on fire to the NRL now. And is it a premiership two-horse race after the Storm thrashed the Roosters last night, Brett? Certainly looks that way, the, the form that the Panthers and the Storm are in. That's 13 in a row now for the Storm, 46-0 over the Roosters last night. And considering everything they'd been through with players coming back from origin duty, forced out of the sunny coast, back to Melbourne, then up to Newcastle for that game last night. Phenomenal performance. Josh Adokar, another hat-trick for him. Top of the NRL uh, try-scoring table. Cam Munster bouncing back from his disappointing origin performances with a strong performance last night. Nico Hines starring at uh, half back, but Craig Bellamy certainly doesn't think that there are only two sides uh, left in it in terms of uh, contending for the grand final this year. Yeah, I've been around too long to you know to be saying that it's a two-horse race at this time of the year. You know, it's uh, There's a lot of things that are going to happen before, between now and the end of the year to the finals time. Some things are going to help some teams, some things are going to hinder some teams. They sit top. The Panthers play the Eels tonight. They sit second. Remarkably, this would be Storm's sixth season in a row finishing in the top two. Unbelievable. And to the AFL, the Tigers' hopes of a three-peat of fading after being stunned by the Suns in the game last night. Yeah, we're not just talking about Richmond uh, trying to win a third premiership in a row, but now they're just in a battle to make the top eight. In fact, they could be out of the top eight and slip as low as 11th by the end of the round. And they were just outplayed by the Gold Coast last night, who have been really the basket case of the AFL, but certainly didn't look like it last night. Led for almost the entire game. In fact, if they had a kick straight, they would have won by more. Ben King, the difference with four goals. Took Miller was dominant in the midfield. It is the Tigers' third loss in a row. Coach Damien Harwick says it's hard to explain why they're in their current slump. You know, confidence is a very, very funny thing within AFL. You can quickly gain it, you can quickly lose it. You know, boys are just lacking confidence at the moment, which is surprising, you know, when they play their very best for a great footy side. Tonight, we've got the Cats and the Bombers in Geelong. The Crows and Lions will go ahead in Adelaide tomorrow. Both teams flying out of Melbourne for that one. Uh, and then the Dockers and the Blues will play in a double header at the MCG. The first time we've had two games at the G since 1986. Wow, history unfolding. Big weekend ahead. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Tash. 
And Princes William and Harry have reunited overnight to honour their late mother, Princess Diana, on what would have been her 60th birthday. The brothers stood side by side as they unveiled a special statue in the grounds of Kensington Palace, the bronze sculpture showing Diana with her arms around two children with another little boy following behind. Here is sculptor Ian Rank Broadley. It relates very much to how the princess was in real life. In many ways, bronze confers immortality by the very nature that it will last a 1,000 or 2,000 years. In a joint statement, Princes William and Harry paid tribute to their late mum, saying, every day we wish he was still here with us, and our hope is that this statue will be seen forever as a symbol of her life and her legacy. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and we'll see you bright and early on Monday. Listener.